This is the Talking Sports Podcast with Peter DiBiase and John Rocco Trumpor right here on YouTube. Guys, welcome back to another episode. Um, today, we have a very, very special guest. We haven't done an interview maybe about four or five months. Today, we are joined by Chris Kalk, interview, um, former USC wide receiver walk-on who has an incredible story that will touch many lives and will also inspire a ton of young athletes. So guys, thank you for joining us today. And Chris, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm lo really looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we always appreciate people coming on and being our guests. But before we dive into today's content, Jay, what do you got to say to our viewers? Hey, guys, uh, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and that's at Talking Sports PD. Uh, football season's coming around, so we're going to be giving your picks each week. So follow us for that and check out our picks. Um, and thank you. We're almost at 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Please, if you're watching this and you're not subscribed, we really would appreciate us. Hit that subscribe button. Almost at 1,000. That's our big goal. But, yeah, thank you guys for watching. Yeah, guys, like Jared said, our biggest goal, or one of our goals is hit 1K. So also, if you don't like watching us on YouTube, make sure um, you check us out on Apple Podcasts. That's also in the description. But enough with that. Time for some questions. So, Chris, start you off. So you grew up in San Diego. And was it one of your dreams when growing up to play for either USC or UCLA football? You know, USC has always been, like, a one goal for me since I was a freaking little kid. My dad went to USC, and um, so you could say that the indoctrination, so to speak, began early. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was um, it was always been a major goal for me for sure. Like <clears throat> when I was a kid, I was going to Halloween dresses like Reggie Bush and Matt Liner. So, and I never really, I didn't really get into football until later because I was always baseball. But USC football is something I'd always, always really, really loved. Yeah, but we uh, saw that in your season, senior season of high school, uh, unfortunately. Uh, you faced some injuries. Um, how hard was that for you to be sidelined for most of your senior season due to a, a knee ligament in injury? And where was your head at and how were you able to overcome that? You know, it was a, it was actually turned out to be a blessing because <clears throat> for starters, I don't even know if I would have, well, I can tell you this for sure, that Chris, who was playing, although I was like skilled to a certain degree at that point, like, like senior year, like, <clears throat> that Chris is nowhere near where I needed to be in order to play at SC. So it took like those two and a half years after tearing my ACL, it took every bit of those two and a half years actually in order for me to develop bridge the gap that I was, that I had and then get where I needed to go inevitably to not just make SC, but you know, just pro life for while I was there. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah, kind of, this is kind of touching off that question. What, so you did tear your ACL. So how was that injury Obviously, both of us, knock on wood, have not had any injuries at that level. But what, like, how did you injure your ACL? And then how was the recovery process? Because it's an eight to 12 month, and I've heard it's a, not a fun recovery process. No, it's kind of a bitch, I'm be honest with you. Um, so what happened was in the very first game of my senior year, this is my first game of like actual football too, because I'd always been baseball and everything. I, knew, I just knew I could play football. So I tore my ACL in the very first game. I was like running a deep post route playing receiver and at that point I didn't really know that there were some plays where you're just running the route for the love of the game as one of my receiver coaches at SC would say so I was running a deep post and I thought like I could get this ball anyways but I was just trying to clear out the safety <laughs> but anyway so the the boundary safety was closing in on the guy who had just caught the pass it was a tight end 
and I try and go up and like running up and trying to knock him, but he sees me and I didn't get there quick enough. We wrap up and then I plant off my left and I twist my knee. And then I feel like a guitar string pop in my knee. And that's how you, that's how tearing your ACL feels. It doesn't hurt that badly, but the next morning it really hurt like badly. that hurt badly. But the, the thought process behind that was like, I didn't know too much about it. I mean, obviously I'd only played baseball and that really doesn't happen a whole lot in baseball. But, um, so I thought I was like, all right, straight. I could try and rehab, see what I could do for the rest of the year, maybe make the playoffs or whatever, but it ended up not working out like that. Cause like you said, it takes eight to 12 months to heal it. So it, it ended up being one of those things where I look back on my story. I said, all right, if had I not torn my ACL and my meniscus, like I would not be playing, I'd not have played at USC for sure. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of public knowledge, but you attended uh, Mesa Junior College in San Diego, but you did not play football. Was there a reason why you did not play football? And why did you make the decision to leave Mesa and uh, attend uh, USC? Yeah, so I went to three junior colleges outside of high school. So I went to, Mesa was the last school I went to. So I went to Santa Monica, which is in LA for a year. Then I went to Pasadena City for a semester. Then the second semester of my sophomore year, I went to Mesa. The reason why I didn't play at that point is because I got surgery my freshman year, at, like right before my freshman year at Santa Monica. And it took, when you say like the eight to 12 months, it took me 12 months, like to be hundred percent good to route run and everything like that. And obviously you could, had I been at USC and tore my ACL, like I probably would have been faster, but you know, just doing rehab three, four times, three times a week. And at that point, not working out as much as I would inevitably be. The reason why I didn't play at Mesa is because it was kind of, it was for starters, I started there in the spring and it was, I transferred there in the spring. So it wasn't like there was a football season and I kind of knew my route. I knew that I knew need to like bridge this gap, so to speak. And the way I was going to do that was through like individual training with the receiver coach that I found in San Diego. Um, shout out Brett Swain, but uh, it's just a shameless plug by the way. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, and then, getting where I needed to get physically, you know, working out in the gym, putting on stupid size, because prior to that, I wasn't really in a position physically where I could compete at SC or even make the team. So it, it came down to just knowing, knowing my path, so to speak. And I needed to re recognize where my path was, how I was going to get there. So I just kind of need to play my own cards and not focus on going and trying to do spring ball at Mesa or this or that, because that would have inevitably sidetracked me from what I knew I needed to do. Yeah, gotcha. Um, we noticed you were, we heard you talking about this on another podcast. Um, it's probably a huge moment for you in your life. But when you first got that call um, that you were officially a member of the USC football team, uh, what were your emotions and feelings? Like, how did you react? I was all over the place, dude. I was so happy. Um, one thing that I haven't really emphasized in all the other shows is the wait time. Because I tried out on that Friday and I didn't find out until the Monday, which was Labor Day. So, and they told me they were going to wait, text us on Sunday. And that whole weekend, I was just on pins and needles, just really, really nervous. So it was just nerve wracking the entire weekend. And I remember thinking to myself, like, damn, am, I'm like, am, am I screwed? Like, I don't know. I mean, I was supposed to walk on in the spring anyway. So I was like playing with house money a little bit, but I, I had to figure like, there's just got to be a reason. Glory to God for that. But uh, I, I, I it was nerve wracking up until I got that text and I was in Orange County, California. And I just remember getting the text, not even thinking twice and just opening it. And once I opened it, I didn't even read what it said, dude. I just scanned for the result. 
I just looked for the result. <laughs> and once I read the result, we want to welcome you to the team. That was that, you know, I, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Got out of the car, started running all around the fucking drive through. It, it was, it was really something. It was a, one of the best days of my life. It was, it was such a beautiful moment. That's awesome. Did you like have a feeling that you like did really well at tryouts or you just really did not know? My thought process going into that tryout was I knew it would be a fate worse than death to get so close to my dream and not make it. Mm-hmm. So I, I figured that I didn't know who I was going to be trying out against or what the tryout was going to look like. But all I knew is that if I put myself in the position where if anybody on that out of that group, so to speak, got brought on, if I was the one that performed the best out of all of them, then I'd be good. That's That was my thought process going into it. So I, I knew I played well. Like I didn't play like the, to my potential, so to speak, but like, I mean, that's obviously, I mean, good enough to make USC football. So yeah. ended up working out fine, obviously, but no, I, I it, it was definitely a little bit nerve wracking, you know, I mean, it's like, shit, I, I wish I had gone over that bag faster, you know, run that, gotten in a cut a little bit quicker, but uh, no, it was, it, I thought I played fine. And it, it, dude, it's just the aspect that made me so nervous wasn't like my performance, but it was just really the nature of, waiting on one of the biggest goals you could ever accomplish at least for me yeah obviously having bigger goals in the future and stuff like that but at that point it was it was i mean division one football is a huge like goal like especially at sc too dude like it was it's like it was it was it was such a goal for such a long time and i took so much shit for it from so many people that it, it, it just made it all the better you're right. And saying off USC, USC is a powerhouse. Like you said, Reggie Bush, Matt Weinhart, um, they're, they were an absolute powerhouse for many years. And now they're starting to, they're getting back to where most SC fans think they should be. They need to pop uh, off. Right, right ranked in the middle of, what are they, 15, I think they want, I want to say right now. I think SC is 14. Okay. Yeah. So then you got UCLA right on, knocking on your doorstep steps with uh, the win over LSU last week. So. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. I don't know if LSU is that good. I don't know if LSU is – obviously, they haven't really been good since Joe Burrow. I don't know about that quarterback either. Oh, I agree. I don't think LSU is that good at all. I think, I think, I think it's – I think that win is, like, impressive, obviously, because an SEC team that ranked was ranked number 18 is still impressive, you know. But I think that win is a lot of smoke and mirrors. I really do. No, I agree. I, I don't think LSU was anywhere near the, where they were with, obviously, the Joe Burrow and the Justin Jefferson team with Jamar Chase. That team – and that team was – unbelievable how good they were that might have been one of the greatest college football teams to ever step on a field so no for sure they're very very far removed from that team so um kind of going back on to back on track but what steps did you have to take to be in the position you were in and then get the opportunity to be a walk-on this is the question that i've been waiting for out of all the shows that i've ever been i've ever come on like i've been waiting for this question specifically i'm glad you asked it so there are a lot of steps, but I'll try and break it down pretty like small so that way, like because to make it more general. First thing you got to do is you really got to be, you got to be really set on your goal. You got to be super, super set on it. So deciding to play at SC was the thing that happened the second I got off the operating table for my first surgery. I knew it at that point because I was kind of iffy about it. I'm like, yeah, maybe I play, maybe I don't. So I got really, really clear on what I needed to do. Then I kind of thought of it in a perspective because I didn't get like super serious because I was kind of a party boy and that kind of stuff at high school and then first year and a half of college. But, you know, I was still working out 
and I didn't really hit my hockey stick curve, so to speak, until I cut out drinking. So you got to be serious about your goal. You got to be, you got to have your goal and then you got to be intentional about your goal. So since once you have like, once you're serious about your intentional about your goal, you got to act, you got to be super, super committed to. So for instance, like it was not easy getting denied by USC three times. It wasn't, it was not easy. So what you had to do is you had to focus on what you can control. For instance, like in the classroom, you got to do well in the classroom, at least as far as my story was going. I need to do well in the classroom. I need to do well in the gym and I need to do well in the receiving coach. And I just kind of had to let God take over the rest, at least as far as what doors I needed to have open, you know? So, and I'm obviously a man, I'm like a man of faith now because I, I found my faith through this journey too. But um, yeah, so you got to decide, you really got to get intentional and you just got to act on it because if you put 10x action into your goal, you will get somewhere. And it's really, really difficult to stop somebody who just doesn't give up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, being a walk-on, what is, what is your role on the team? And like, what is expected of you at like practice or game day? Sure. Um, so being a walk-on is an interesting one for sure. It's, um, you, you are to a certain degree scout team guys, like it's invariable no matter where you are, no matter what, how big your program is, whether it's big as USC or like a D2 school. I, I don't, I can't speak to D2 schools, but I would imagine it's probably the same situation. But um, thing is like at school, like SC, you got a ball. Like you, 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 I mean, obviously all those guys pretty much can ball at SC, walk on scholarship guy. Like. So it's, it's one of those things where you really got to, embrace your role if even if it is just a scout team guy and some walk-ons do get scholarships but those are the guys like who really set themselves apart from the other walk-ons there's one kid named Quincy really good friend of mine he he was a walk-on and then he ended up becoming lifter of the year and then got a scholarship so it's it's that kind of stuff that you know you got to really set yourself apart in some regard in order for you to get a scholarship but you know you are a lot like you're kind of given guys the first team defense first team offense depending on what position you play you're giving them looks, you're getting fun, like reps on special teams, depending on where you are, like the new administration at special teams at SC definitely uses walk-ons more. Shout out to my guy, Clyde Moore on uh, the USC kickoff, kickoff team now. But um, yeah, so it, 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 you can be, it's a litany of different things that a walk-on can be in. Sometimes scout, sometimes regular, you know, it, it, it just depends on where you are, how you fit in. It, it, it's, 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 it's really kind of multifaceted. It sounds like you just kind of like set a good example and like show like you're just working for it you know got it yeah you gotta you gotta embrace your role and you gotta earn your spot for sure because i mean anyone there are a lot of walk-ons who like bitch and moan about not traveling or whatever and this kind of stuff like oh i would have gone to this school it's like do you realize where you are do you realize you're playing football at usc like dude i would just shut up because the chris that was working to get to usc had he heard that he would have take taken your shit so fucking quickly like i'm, I'm trying to, i don't really like cursing that much but when it comes to like authenticity like that you know it's not the hill i'm gonna die on so to speak but it's just a matter of fact like i will i would have taken your shit so quickly but you know it's just is what it is different people but you know walk-ons are i think a very valued part of a school or or program sorry i agree yeah Yeah, kind of going off and this is kind of going off that but when you said this is kind of your role as a walk-on like during practice and all that stuff, what was your role as a walk-on during game day? Saturday, uh, whatever, four o'clock, eight o'clock kickoff. Like take us through like your game day routine routine because both of us have never we've watched college football, obviously, but are never gonna experience, never will experience 
how a game day works. But take us through your like, routine. You wake up before, yeah. when you go to bed. Like, what do you do during, do during during game? So it depends on what like. So, so obviously you'll. So if, if you're traveling, you're gonna be at the hotel that night before, and then you're gonna have dinner with your team, and you'll have meetings and stuff like that on the night before on the Friday night. You'll wake up in the next morning. You'll have meetings in the morning. You'll have breakfast. Then you'll kind of just do like a smaller like walkthrough, like just kind of just in the hotel ballroom or something like that. And uh, after that, you'll get up, you'll get a change in whatever SC has you wearing, whether it be a polo shirt that you're wearing, whatever it is, you know, you'll, everyone will be wearing the same stuff, at least as far as everything else is concerned. But after that, you get on the buses, you head over to the stadium. Once you get to the stadium, you kind of just take your shit, you go inside, you walk down like the bus tunnel ramp. Then when you get there, you're gonna either you're gonna go in the locker room and I'll this is like mostly an away one but I'll take you through a home one after this too but for an away one you'll go into like your visiting locker room you'll grab you'll take off all your stuff you'll either and then they have like all your pregame stuff so for instance it was like a like a Nike like cut off hoodie with your number and SC and shit all over it was really cool after that you know you just go out you kind of run routes catch passes just throw you know catch them it's, it's that's the most fun part and then you kind of just do that kind of stuff then you go in back in the locker room you suit up then you're doing full routes and full gear and after that mo you kind of just make the most of those opportunities you do pat and go and that's because it's a lot of fun catching pass in front of like sixty thousand people it's a lot music, of music is blasting you're yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah and um you know your parents are there and it's a lot of fun but uh after that most walk-ons days are kind of over because like I used to, it's obviously in a pejorative sense, but it's kind of funny. Like I was a pregame All-American. <laughs> so I'd, I'd make all sorts of one-handed snags and diving catches and pregame and then, then I'd be done. So it, it was, a, it's, a, it's obviously a joke. I mean, I would love to get reps like that, but it is what it is. I, I played, I did my best at SC, but um, home game is very similar, but at SC you have this thing called uh, Trojan Walk. So you get on the buses and then you come to the stadium and then around like five, 10,000 people will be right around the buses. And then you get off and there's like these lanes that take you into the Coliseum. You walk under the big peristyle, you go down to the field and you get to the middle of the field, you say a team prayer, and then you'll go back and do the same shit you did as an away game. Either way, they're fun as hell. Like they're the, those, were, those Saturdays were electric and they're so much fun. That, that walk sounds pretty sick. It'd probably give you goosebumps. Oh my gosh, dude, my first time I was a, my first game, I got onto the field. Like the second I touched the uh, the grass, I started crying. Yeah, that's crazy. That's your dream. No, that sounds that sounds awesome. So, kind of going towards more of the USC staff. So, how was it playing for head coach uh, Clay Helton? You know, I say this a lot, but every time somebody asks me at the restaurant, airport, wherever it is, like, what are your thoughts on Helton? It's one of the questions I get asked the most, to be honest with you. But um, my thoughts about Helton are like, I have nothing but good things to say about the guy. He, I, I respect him so much because he made my dream come true. Like, I'm so grateful to that, you know? And because like, it, it took a lot for me to get to SC, like a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of divine intervention and glory to God for that. But a lot, he catches a lot of flack. I mean, obviously from donors and stuff who, this is how I knew USC football was like really big when I was there some donor rented a plane and had like a banner hanging behind it, flying all around the Coliseum on, against Notre Dame and said fire Helton on the back. <laughs> and it was rough, dude. It was rough. I was like, holy shit. Like that's what, this is big time. But um, 
no, it, it was awesome playing under Helton. Like I, I respect the guy a lot. I hope he does well this year. I really do have nothing but good things to say about him. Oh yeah. For Clay Helton. This is a very, very big year for him. He's, I want to say he was on the hot seat. Um, oh, let's call it. No, no. He, is. he is on the hot seat. Okay. Yeah, so because I know obviously USC has a huge history and they expect excellence like a lot of football programs do, but that's like, so true. Like, down. That's the reason why. Like if you don't USC's expectations every year or our Rose Bowl or up, you know, you better win the Rose Bowl or you better be going to the what's now the playoff, but or the BCS, you know, whatever one it was back then when SC was like popping off and winning natties all the time. But yeah, no, it's Rose Bowl and up. Like you got you really gotta have those expectations each year. But yeah, so I mean, he as if he can de- if he can deliver that this year, then I think all the voices kind of stop. I really do. No, you're right. It's a Pac-12 championship, then it's the Rose Bowl, and then obviously now it's the playoff, and then eventually it's going to be the extended eight to twelve team, whatever they do for the playoff, because it's going to happen. I think it'll happen too. It's going to happen if you're going to say it's not going to happen. It's going to eventually happen when yeah. they get eight or twelve teams. So obviously USC has those goals. But sticking with the USC staff, so besides Clay Hutton. Who on the USC staff were you the closest to? I'm going to give a shout out right now. One of my the receiver coach at USC, his name is Kerry Colbert. One of the coolest, most well-meaning guys I've ever met. And that's no cap. Like, I, I really love KC. I, I mentioned, I've, I've gotten this question before too, and I, I, I love to answer it because I always give a shout out to KC. Like, he is one of the coolest guys I've ever met. He really, really cares about his receivers, and he really wants to see people do well. And the reason why, aside from the fact of football, outside of football, he gives a shit too. Like, he really kind of breaks things down on a global global perspective to, like, smaller and, like, okay, what platitudes can you employ in your life to be successful? Like, he would show his videos and talk about Kobe Bryant or, like, talk about, like, Adam Thielen's story. <laughs> It was just so helpful to think about, like it is using those and employing those kind of things, excuse, excuse me, in your own life. And yeah, so the person that I would definitely say I was the closest with for sure. And then one of the most prolific people in that program is Kerry Colbert. Love Casey. I feel like that's like the one similarity between all like great coaches. It's like they care about off the field, even maybe yeah. more than on the field, you know? Yeah, no, he, there are some things like he would just do that. He, he just really gave a shit about us. Like there's this one time that, my last year at SC, we hadn't had this thing like wide receiver U because with the implication of the air raid, implementation, sorry, of the air raid, it was really, really like there was some hype around that receiving core. And we were probably one of the best. We were one of the best in the country, definitely the best in the Pac-12. And uh, it was cool because he had shirts made up with our numbers on the back with wide receiver U and the Wu-Tang Clan logo in the middle. That's it was tough. Like, I still have that shirt. I still wear it like every now and then but like it's been in my closet about, like for a while but i do really really appreciate that kind of shit yeah that's that's cool kind of jumping off that question uh going to the players more we were talking about a little before the podcast started but what teammates at usc did you have the best relationship with and closest to hmm. that's a great question or like had the biggest impact? No, yeah, no. The best, a really good question. I definitely say that. One of my closest friends from USC is Jordan Iosefa, number five fifty-six. Uh, he was captain my last year, 
and him and I just became really, really close. Like one day, I, like I never really talked to Jordan a whole bunch, but um, one day him and I just, I, he was having breakfast and I sat down with him mm -hmm. and I said, what's up, Jordan? He's like, what's up, Chris? And we started having a conversation. And next thing you know, like later that week, we ended up going to uh, Korean barbecue at uh, downtown Atlanta. We ended up going uh, to the driving range right before. So Jordan and I became really, really close. Um, another kid that I was like really, really tight with when I was there. That's a tough one. I would say that, well, there's a kid who um, walked on named Brad Aoki. Him and I, he always, he was a quarterback. So he always threw me passes afterwards. And he'd always like, it was all, it was awesome because he, he, yeah. he was playing, they made him play receiver a little bit too because we were short on receivers towards that in that year. But he wanted to pass at the end of the thing. I'm like, dude, if you want to throw me passes like every day, I'll be down. Yeah. So he threw me passes every day and that was awesome. And then one more kid I'll shout out is Grant Jones. Grant Jones is a, he, he is a shit. Now at this point, I think he's playing tight end. He played linebacker, running back and tight end at SC. So they had him moving around a bunch. And Grant was one of the kids who I walked on with. He was one of the kids in that original tryout. And he played at De La Salle and he's a really awesome dude. And I really like Grant. And I went to dinner with him a few weeks ago when I was back in LA, but yeah, no, Grant, Brad, and then uh, Jordan, for sure. Like I, I have nothing but good thing to say about most of the kids I play SC with. So, so like some of them could be interchangeable for people who I might be forgetting right now, but those are the three that stood out just on, just on based off of the question right now. So yeah, Grant, Jordan, and Brad, for sure. Kind of going back to that, when you said your wide receiver coach made those shirts about how loaded that wide receiver room, who was in that room? Was that Michael Pittman? Was that St. Brown? Am I missing anybody? Shit, actually, that's a, I forgot one more person. That's, it, your question has reminded me because I didn't even think about the receiver room. Devin Williams, he plays at Oregon now. Really awesome dude. Love Devin. Um, so that receiver room was loaded. Like it was Michael, it was Michael Pittman, Amon Ra. Tyler Vaughns, Drake London, John Jackson, Manier McLean. Uh, who else? Is Devin was in that room. Uh, Brew McCoy was in that room. Who else is in that room? There's a lot of guys in that room. Holy cow. I, I could, I, I, there are too many to list. Like there's so many, there are some serious dogs in that room. And that's why everyone, people ask me, it's like, Hey, Chris, like, do you, did you see the feels like, did you not see the fucking receivers who were ahead of me on the depth chart? Like, Half those guys are on an NFL roster right now. Drake London's getting looked at for the Bolitnikoff Award. Like, like <laughs> you know, it, it's it's one of those things. Obviously, a joke, but you know. I mean, my, at least you could say you played wide receiver in a group like that. You know. Yeah, it was funny. I'm looking. I'm talking to this one breeder for Kame uh, Corsos because I'm gonna get a dog in the next year and a half or so. Uh -huh. And I hit him up. I said, "Hey, I didn't even mention I played at USC." I was like, "Yo." I really like you guys. I followed you guys for a hot minute. I like your guys' breeding. Like, I love the way you guys, like, do you do the, like, do your process. And then he hits me up, like, right off the bat, out of his request. Like, I see you played at USC. Do you know Michael Pittman? I'm like, yeah, Michael and I were there at the same time. We both played receiver. He goes, I bred his dog for him. <laughs> and then I started laughing. <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, that room was deep. That room was so deep. And it was a lot of fun to be into. Like, there are some characters in that room. I'll say that for sure. No, you're right, because obviously Michael Pittman is a legit NFL. Gonna be, he's on the boredom of being a superstar receiver. With the St. Brown was just drafted. Uh, one name that sparked me, Brew McCoy, was a, an extremely high recruit. So, really? And then you said Drake London, who's uh, in for, uh, for the best receiver award this year. So that obviously that receiving corpse, it's, it's tough to play with those guys in front of you. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a it's an uphill battle, but you know you're in good hands with those guys starting first and second team for sure. It yeah, just one more thing, like when you were like on the field with them, can you just tell they were like everyone was here and then like they were here or well, like I never knew, I never equated that until I saw Amon Ra for the first time. I was I, I was there was actually a round I was trying out and he was like doing one on ones or something like that and he went up for a 50-50 ball, just corkscrewed it and just landed with both feet and I was like, damn, he's just better than that guy. Yeah. He was just good. And he bounced like shit. He had a dumb vert and that I just remember seeing it. I was like, damn, he got up there. Mm-hmm. And but to a certain degree, yeah. I mean, those guys like Michael Pittman's like starting for the Colts. Yeah. Like Amon Ra will be he'll start for the Lions. Like these guys are really good. Like there is a definitely a dis like a dissonance between for high low high and low man on the totem pole, so to speak. I mean, bottom line is that SC gets dogs, especially play receiver, especially play DB too. So I mean, you gotta be a you got to be kind of a savage to play there, but I will say for sure, like the guys who do start more than often, more often than not deserve to start for sure. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so we've, this is kind of just something we've noticed and how you speak on your Instagram. We saw that you're kind of a very religious person. Were you always like this or was there a moment in your life that kind of changed your view? So I kind of grew up Christian, quote unquote, you know, you go to church every now and then like you're baptized as a kid, but no, to answer your question, really? Yes, but no, it was by no means the most important part of my life. Like, and you hear people saying like, Oh God first, I would have said God first when I was like 14 or 11 or whatever. But in reality, this wasn't the case because there were like, you know, just whatever, but um, it really didn't become clear to me. Like I, I faced a lot of struggles when I was at junior college and then, through actually my since the junior junior of high school so kind of like went down you like a lot of family stuff you know that kind of shit and I'll keep it at that because I haven't really talked about it publicly but there's a it really kind of just became a point where test after test after test and I felt like there was one day I was just looking at my dad's desk and my dad had a study bible from this movie he made and my dad like just kind of had it out my dad's not wasn't really a Christian at that point either but I felt like almost as if there was like a rope around my stomach, like around my waist. And I felt like I was being pulled towards it. And it sounds really corny, but I swear, like a hand to God, that's how I felt. And I said, one day I'm going to read that. And then as kind of life began to keep kind of down, downward spiraling, I said, you know what, today's the day. And I picked up the Bible and I started reading. <clears throat> and it was one of those things where I just came like, damn, ever since that day, I've, I've read the Bible every day. So it became like, obviously you make the choice at that point but it really didn't become like a full mind renewal for a little bit because you obviously have like your old ways and those kind of things can like prevent you from getting to where you need to go but no it wasn't it was a the the isolated experience of reading the bible yes but it was kind of a gradual like ascension into where i am now at least thinking about it and then i had the blessing of meeting this amazing girl who i'm dating now and I was able to like help her develop her faith too, which was really an important part. Like, and that's kind of what I was like, it was, it was right off the bat. Like, obviously she was a Christian too, but it was just something where we able to work on it and work through it. Now it's really an amazing kind of like, it's building an amazing relationship. I'm very blessed to have it too. And then that's, that's awesome. But how did religion also help you achieve your goal to play obviously division one football at uh, Southern California? That's a great question. I give all glory to God. I always will. But at that point, my faith was kind of, my faith wasn't like blind. I knew God was going to move. I, it was like, I, if you had asked me, like, 
Chris, how are you going to get to USC? I was like, I have no idea, but I know I'm going to play. <clears throat> so that's the, like, I had no idea how, but it was going to happen. I just knew it was going to happen, but I didn't really understand like the intricacies of it until later. And I know that I can use, like God can move in my life. And obviously it doesn't, it's not supposed to be all good all the time. It kind of, but as it relates to SC, it kind of gave me like, faith that I know I could do it like if I I was so sure I was so sure and I know I can do these things and give glory to God and do these amazing like things in the world because of this experience at USC you know I can do big time stuff help people all around the world some people I'll never know and that's the beautiful part about it to spread the gospel through that way but yeah it, it kind of gave me faith to like recognize like God can move in your life and he will you know and he promises that you're expect, supposed to expect his goodness you know and he tests very interestingly obviously if you look at the book of job in the bible like job had a lot sent him down to nothing and then he doubled it you know after that after he endured his test so faith is obviously a very integral part in anybody's life and i think that anybody who is struggling with it and if anybody hears this in your show like my please dm me on instagram like i will be more than happy to talk to somebody about it because i can speak very succinctly about it too i'm obviously kind of long-winded in this response because it's a longer question but um no yeah it, it definitely gives you purpose and it, it's aside from the purpose of like obviously being saved but the purpose of like using your platform and using your voice to help and spread the word and do amazing things in the world i admire that yeah thank you um so sort of the wrap it up here what advice would you give a young athlete that's going, that's in your shoes right now, trying to play at the division one level, probably not highly recruited. Um, like what motivation can you keep them? Will you give them? Yeah. Would you give them? A few things. First thing that I would do is I would become very intentional and very clear about what you want. Next thing that I would do is I would be completely okay with everybody in your life doubting it because it's a goal aspiration for thing for something that only you can see it is working for a opportunity that is not promised it's by no means promised no means you're no means entitled to it but if you put your blinders on kind of play your own hand because everybody can get caught up in okay this person's getting a scholarship this person's going to this school that it can get kind of overwhelming and it can make you obviously be jealous and insecure which i it's it's normal you know but and use that, but if you can use those jealousy and that insecurity for your own advantage and not let it consume you, that's how you use those kind of things properly. You can be angry, use your anger to fuel you, you know, like if use your insecurity, like to make you work harder. So I would say that kind of stuff with that for sure. And then at the same time, you just got to grind, dude, you really got to grind. And I'm not a huge like grind culture person because I think it's like, if you work so damn hard that you injure yourself, then you're not of any use to anybody, but you got to be so deliberate about so many things in your life, your diet, your, uh, your sleep, your work ethic, who you work with, what you do in your free time. There's a lot of stuff you can do to improve yourself. So I would just look at it from a perspective. Okay, this is my goal. How would I re-engineer my steps all the way to the point I'm at now, be completely honest with where I am and then just take off from there. Because once you set your mind to something, I cannot emphasize this enough. There is not a thing in this world that you cannot do. Yeah, thank you. And I feel like that's like a lot of people's problem. They always make a goal, but they never do and put action towards it. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. You got to have, you got, I mean, I read this book, Grant Cardone, say what you want about him. And I think there's a certain degree of like real estate intellect that he, he does have, you got to take with a grain of salt, but um, he wrote this book called the 10 X rule. And it kind of talks about applying 10 X action to what you're currently doing. If you apply 10 X action, you're going to get further than you would be if you're just applying regular action, you know, because if you don't take, if you take normal action, you're going to stay in the same place. I know a lot of people who have really aspirational goals who aren't willing to either sacrifice or put in the actual effort that needs to be in order to this, in order to get here. And, you know, it, it's sad, but it's just what makes the world go around. So you got to apply 10x action. Action is one of the most imperative parts to a successful goal or achievement, you know? Definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, the Chris, I like how your point is saying that even if people doubt you, like family members, friends and all that stuff, because we're two uh, kids from a small town in New York that have over 50,000 views on a YouTube channel. What's awesome. so like, and people are, you really, you got to be okay with it. You got to be okay with the doubt. You really got to be okay with it. Like the amount of times people said, I have, I had a list on my phone that I brought out the other day that talks like almost there are like, obviously there are so many more than I could ever write down. But when I think about it, like one of them that stood out to me, like I would write it down in my notes and there was like, Chris, I would get really realistic about your USC expectations. I had my college counselor saying, Chris, you really will not do like playing at USC is very difficult. I don't think you could do it. There are kids who I played with at high school who laughed at me. Like everybody at my high school laughed at me. Like I went to, like, granted, I gave them, I kind of gave them a reason to because I wasn't near, near, like nearly as like developed as I was, but where they lost the perception is where my ability to kind of get to where I needed to go and all that in the interim. They saw me where I was. I saw myself where I could be and my reality just hadn't caught up yet. And just the same way with you guys. I'm sure you have a lot of people talking on talking shit about whatever, you know, but it's just, you got to put your nose to the grindstone, use that kind of hate or, you know, doubt, whatever you want, whatever synonym you want to use of that, use it for your kind of growth and take it in. There might be some truth to certain ones, but you know, you just don't have to listen to it. Use it for your fuel and then just keep going where you need to go. Thank hey, Chris, you. you ever think about being a motivational speaker? <laughs> because, man, one, you I wanna, one day I want to, like I told you, like one of my purposes in this world, I really have gotten clear on it is like, as I develop myself and like business and like public perception and stuff like that, I want to use my story and what I've done and where I'm going to and what I will accomplish to let people all around, like to hear, have people all around the world, like take inspiration from what I've done because I'm like, like, there's like I, I do have a certain like I I have been blessed to play at USC and I do have like a think differently than some people like most people and I want it but I want people to know that they can't accomplish anything so maybe one day I'll start like I'll talk when I'm more developed beyond this USC you know I mean bigger goals once I accomplish those bigger goals maybe I'll have more of a platform to do it so well, I will have more of a platform to do it but um yeah so it may, maybe just kind of help share share my experiences see what people think of it you know that's kind of the goal no, 100% year. This was truly amazing. We've never done an interview with this type, this type of interview. We've done interviews in the past, but this is totally different and for our viewers. Hopefully they take away some inspirational stuff, some motivation stuff, and just a great total interview that we very, really appreciate you coming on and doing this with us. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. I truly, truly appreciate it. And guys, if you want to, like Chris said, reach out to him or talk, just talk to him about obviously playing division one football, religion, anything that you heard um, in this interview, his Instagram will be in our uh, 
description. So if you guys just want to click that, you can totally reach out to him. I know Chris, you said you're totally fine with people messaging you on Instagram. Absolutely. Please do. I welcome it. Yeah. So guys, like he said, just go to his Instagram. It'll be in our uh, description once this video is released. So guys, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Jerry, you got anything else to say before uh, we sign off? Yeah. Thank you, Chris. And uh, please, if you're watching this, please hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, we'll be posting football content uh, and a full season starting at Talking Sports PD, Twitter and Instagram. So hit a follow and thank you for watching. And Chris, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Guys, until next time, this was the Talking Sports Podcast with Peter DiBiase and John Rafa Trumpor. Have a good night.